Amen. I, I do like that earlier song that, uh, uh, what was that previous one? I just already lost it. That one they sung before. It was the words of life. And those are truly words of life. I was singing that. I was just thinking, what are the words of life? And if you listen to that song and you sing it, and it is truly the only words of life that truly mean anything, and it has the, the gospel of Jesus. And uh, one thing that I've really enjoyed the past couple of months is that uh, Holly and I have been doing this uh, evangelism class, and I think it's highly important to understand these words of life, and we truly apply these words of life, then it should expel out of us like a, a flowing river, a fountain of living water through our words, through our actions, through our service, and hearing uh, a, a group going to Haiti to serve and help build the church, and different things to serve the community I, I hear and the leadership meetings and the things that I see the church going to do if we only understand what the words of life are, we truly care about Christ, then we will express that love to everyone else around us by acts of service and love. So uh, I encourage you, if you need something to do, ask someone, we'll put you to work. So I mean, if you, if, I, mean, I love seeing the body actually doing it, what Christ has called us to do is to love and to serve. Uh, but before we get into the service tonight, I want to bow uh, our heads in prayer real quick as we uh, ask uh, God's blessing over the service. Heavenly Father, you are truly gracious and uh, loving to us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will just allow us to take this time uh, to focus solely on you, to take this time and solely focus it on your words, Lord, that we may eat it, Lord, and that we may chew on it, Lord, that we may uh, meditate on your word day in and day out, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would open up our ears, we will open up our minds and you will open up our hearts, Father God, Lord, that we take your word and apply it to our life in every aspect of it, Lord. Let it be fulfillment. Lord, allow us, Lord, to serve you the best that we can, that your name, your name be glorified and that, Lord, that we may step down. Lord, I pour myself out, Father, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you just use me as a vessel. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just speak through me, Father, Lord, and allow us, Lord, to take your word and apply it to our lives, Lord, that we may be a, a good aroma for you, Father. Lord, I thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you will do in my life and all the things that you will do with this church. Lord, I pray all the things that you will do in this community. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your church as a whole, Lord, be, be, glorify your name through everything that they do. Lord, I praise you, and Lord, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I've been married for about five, five years, correct? Yes, just making sure. I'm probably going to live in the dog, be in the doghouse when I get home. But five years I've been married. But one of the hardest questions throughout that span of knowing her and dating uh, Lacey and being married, one of the hardest questions, and I would beg to say that every man here, hopefully it's every man, hopefully the women ain't asking this question, I'll be talking to you men, but hardest question that a man can ask is, will you marry me? That is one of the hardest questions I ever had to ask Lacey. And it took some courage, it took some thinking, and it took some planning to do. And I wasn't, I'm not a very extravagant guy. And you hear all these plans of people uh, going and skydiving and proposing to their spouses. Or I've heard people going down and scuba diving and proposing, setting up extravagant lights, going to a big park, and doing uh, something so grandiose that it was it, it just I can't hold up to it but still one of the hardest questions to ask and I was trying to think of how I should ask her and I was thinking well I'm gonna take her to park and uh, it, it was it was December it was gonna be cold I didn't think this I didn't think this thing through but it, I, 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 I we, we stopped by my house real quick I think I had to grab something 
And I was just like, I just can't, I can't do it. So right there in the middle of the kitchen, I got on one knee and asked her to marry me. Still one of the hardest questions I ever asked Lacey. She had enough courage to say yes. Such a bold request for me to ask her changed my life for the better. I, we now have a son. We, we are growing spiritually together. We are growing numerically. Uh, just, just one, just to let you know she's not pregnant or nothing like that. But we, I asked a bold question. I asked a bold request from my wife, and she answered me. A bold statement, a bold question to ask her, and she willingly responded. Marriage, proposer, marriage proposals is a bold request that we make. Christ tells us to have that same boldness, to have that same attitude when we come and approach the throne of God. He wants us to have that same boldness, to fearlessness, to go to God and ask Him for anything that was within our heart's desire. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11, and if you don't have a Bible, I'm, uh, Matthew's going to put these on the screen for you for convenience, because I'm all about convenience. But in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 5, and this is after one of the great uh, questions that the, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And it talks about uh, 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 our Heavenly Father, uh, our, our Father with art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. It's after that, this great uh, model prayer. So in verse 5 it starts, And he said unto them, Which you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Give me three loaves of bread, friend. For a friend of mine in his journey, he's on his travels, is come to me, and I have nothing. I have nothing set before him. I've got nothing for my friend. In verse 7, and he from within shall answer and say, someone, the guy within the house, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. They're lying, they're, they're asleep. I don't want to bother them. I, we're, we're settled down for the night. We're done. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of importunity, which is persistence. He will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now as a preacher, I'm sure if you've been in church for any extended amount of time, we like bullet points. And so if you... Look at this, you can see where I get three bullet points. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. And knock, it shall be given unto you. So the first thing I want to us to notice is that when we go to God, and we go to God in petition, we go to God in prayer, we need to be sincere to God. Our intentions need to be made known to God. But the first thing I would like to make mention, ask, and it shall be given to you. A request that is not only asked once, but persistently given to a friend here in this text. The friend painfully goes and, and says, I've got someone here that is not that has no, no bread. I need loaves of bread to feed him. He goes to this friend and says, I need some food to feed him. And the guy's at midnight and he's saying, leave me alone. My kids are asleep. You're waking them up. I got no parts of you. Just leave me alone. The doors are shut. 
And he persistently goes to his friend. He says, please, I need more food. I need some loaves of bread. We're hungry, and I got nothing for my friend. He's, he's out of town, and I need something. He's persistently going to this friend saying, I need food. And he's, as he's persistently asking, he's persistently asking, the friend eventually gives in and says, okay, here's your food. But the scripture says here, it's not because of because he's a friend, it's because he's persistently asked of him. But the good thing is here in this scripture is that God doesn't act in this way in the sense that he doesn't reluctantly give unto us what we consistently ask of. He, cher he cherishes that when we go to him, but what he wants us to do is to persistently go to him, constantly go to him in prayer. He wants us to constantly, uh, to, to Im Im importunity, as it says there in verse 8, to make a bold, a shameless appeal to God. Coming to the Father to what appears to be solicitation, a repetitive irritation, can easily drown our minds out. I think a lot of times we think that, oh, well, I mean, God only God knows the sincerity of my heart, so I won't ask Him of it. But that would be foolish for us to say because God consistently tells us to go to Him. But why do we need to go to God in prayer? Why do we need to go and ask God of something that He knows the intentions of our hearts? God doesn't react like the friend and reluctantly gives him what he wants, but he wants us to faithfully go to him. He wants us to rely fully on the arms and, and lean on Christ because we cannot rely on ourselves. In Psalms chapter 55, verse 22, it makes mention that cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Why go to God when we can handle it ourselves a lot of times? We become selfish and we become prideful. We say our will is better than the will of God's. And we say, well, I can handle this. I'm not going to go to God for this. I'm not going to ask of God for this because I can handle it. But the flesh is weak. And we need to realize that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that resides within the believer, is stronger than anything that we could ever do. If we truly rely and we truly place our burdens upon Christ, He will see us through if we only ask within the will and the persistent asking of God. And it doesn't end there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God knows that we are hungry beings. He knows that we desire not only three loaves of bread, but we, we, we desire many things within our lives, our spiritual lives. We have brokenness within our homes. We have brokenness in the church. We have brokenness in the communities. There's so much broken and hungry people finding, trying to find some type of meaning in their life. Someone that is asking for a loaf of bread from that friend. If we, if, 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 but we have the answer if we can only lead them to Christ in a way that he has, he has clearly shown us. If we care for them, if we love them, if we share the gospel with them, and we show them the true redeemer of cast your cares upon the Lord, and he will sustain you, he will help you during this burden. Giving up our pride allows his will to work. Give up our own will. And this is, it, this is not a, 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 a prosperity gospel. A lot of times people read this and think, if I ask God of what I want, then I'm automatically going to need it. The only true prosperity that we can see is being in the true presence of God. God can lead us down so many great paths within this church and within our lives if we only ask it of God's will. Seek and you shall find. 
Now, I'm not a, I'm not a NASCAR fan, to be honest. I, I, I don't sit there and watch cars go around in circles. But household names such as Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And, and Jeff Gordon and Richard Petty, these are all household names. I think I've had toy cars of some of these gentlemen. But these individuals are not running a circuit by themselves. They have pit crews to help them. They have a chief. They have uh, 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 people that help support them and endorse them through sponsorships and stuff like that. These race members do not work alone. Now, when we go to God, we must be careful and not to be caught up in the trap of saying, this is all focused and being part of me. We get so focused on our own selfish needs and our own selfish desires that we forget about the bigger picture of what God has in store for, for the body. Being part of the body of Christ is to, is to mean to not be alone. Matthew chapter 6, it, it talks about that Jesus, uh, Jesus sought help, uh, but to, to teaches us to seek help by casting our cares upon Him. Matthew 6, 33 and 34, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. They shall be provided unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. All these problems, all these things that you ask of God. You ask God repeatedly, and you ask God, but if you seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? Going to God often becomes a greedy request. Oftentimes you see that people would pray and it becomes, I want this, God, Lord, I want that. Lord, give me this. Lord, I need a pay bump. I need a pay increase. Lord, help, just give me this. I want this. It becomes a greedy request into God instead of a seeking out what his desire is. It becomes my kingdom instead of God's kingdom. And that's not the case. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Tanner. The focus becomes internal, the things of my kingdom and my selfishness and the things of God. John 17, when Jesus was about to be crucified on the cross, when Jesus was about to give his life for the, for, for the whole uh, believers and the people that would come to know him, what was he doing in the garden that he was praying for me and you? pushing aside what he could do, pushing aside the things that was about to befall him, pushing aside that the angels could lift him out of that, and decided to focus on others. Decided to focus and pray for those that will once believe. God's kingdom starts when we start praying and we start focusing on others instead of ourselves. And you see this all the time within not only this church and other churches, that you see it all the time that we become so inwardly focused that we forget about what God's great commission has to, truly told us what to do. Matthew 28, to go forth and, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We forget about this great commission. And we forget about the greatest commandment of love God above everything else. And then likewise, love your neighbor. We forget about these things because we, because we become so inwardly focused. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seeking His righteousness. We must pursue Christ's character. We must pursue His holiness. <clears throat> and this cannot be achieved by our own power. Like I made mention earlier, that the flesh is weak. And Isaiah, he says that our righteous deeds, the best things that we can do, become filthy rags and they fade away. 
I think of a, of a you know, in the, the, the deep fall, you get, a, you get a, a, a crispy leaf, and it just fades away. It just, you barely touch it, and it just crumbles in your hands. Our righteousness, our filthy rags, is a, is a crumbling leaf that just goes away. Paul, he tells us in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We should begin to seek His righteousness. We should begin to seek His character and God's saving grace. We only see the truth because we want to see the truth. We see the righteousness and the way that Christ acts towards people because we want to see it. Just and reciprocal, we don't do it and we don't see it happening because we refuse to see it. Christ will not force people to saving grace. In Hebrews chapter 6, Christ said, uh, Paul says that uh, <clears throat> those that want to live in their sin, he will leave them in their sin. Christ doesn't want us to, to, to be uh, fallen and shortened to sin, but yet he wants us to come to him faithfully, wants to come to him sincerely. And you see a lot of times that the world is full of, of half-truths and lies that people search what they want to see that is the truth, but it ends up being something uh, twisted. And you see that the devil and the flesh will twist something that seems to be tasteful, something that seems to be beneficial for the soul, but it ends up being corrosive and toxic and sour that will not benefit you whatsoever. But Jesus, he says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that no one, no man can come to the Father but by me. We have no righteous standing before God on our own merit, by the own things that we do, but it is only through the blood of Christ that we can have this righteous standing. That we can only do the things that God, we can seek the kingdom of God and we can seek his righteousness if we only ask of him willfully within his will and we can do what he has called us to do. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find and knock and it shall be opened unto you. J.C. Ryle, he makes mention in his book of holiness, he says, there are imperfections in our best works. We do not love God as much as we are bound to do. With all of our hearts, mind, and power. We do not fear God so much as we ought to do. We do not pray to God, but with many imperfections. We give, forgive, believe, live, and hope imperfectly. We speak Think and do imperfectly. We fight against the devil, the world, and the flesh imperfectly. Let us therefore not be ashamed to confess plainly our state of imperfection at the throne of God. Being a disciple of Christ does not mean you have all the answers. I'd be foolish to say that if I spend the rest of my life studying scriptures, that I have all the answers of God. But if you are a believer, if you are a disciple of Christ, you should have the one answer that is the meaning and the wonderful words of life. And that is the blood of Christ can save all. That's the best question. That's the best answer that you have. We need to understand that self-works has no power to save us. It is only through the saving grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, I'm going to read these. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. 
and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. To understand what Christ is talking about, we have to see who was knocking first. Jesus was knocking on our heart's door when you decided to accept him as your Lord and Savior. He actively changed you when, he, when you decided to allow him to walk in. When you chose to open your heart's door to him. Verse 6, it made mention that Jesus now places us seated in the righteousness with him, together with Christ. And we as followers of Jesus, we now take upon the workmanship as a steward, as someone that studies under the tutelage of Christ. Verse 10, the Greek of workmanship is paoma, in the active process that is given to someone, an apprentice to a master, someone that constantly studies underneath someone. Now if you look at any kind of like master apprentices and stuff like that, they bear that name with pride. Someone that studies under a swordsman or, 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 or some form of uh, a craftsmanship. They study for years and years under, underneath the master and they bear that name. They have a, a lot of times they have a vest or patches or, or some form of, uh, of symbol that says that that is my master. I am proud to call him master. And when he goes and teaches someone, he often refers to the master. Now, us as disciples, us as believers, we should have this continuing process to what the Great Commission calls us to do is to go forth and teach and make disciples that our great uh, master, our great teacher, our great counselor, we should be a constant workmanship sharing and discipling people as Christ has called us to do. All disciples, all workmen of Jesus, we must ask what he wants us to do instead of deciding what we want to do. We first, he first calls us to put the cares upon Christ. He call, and then he calls us to take the cares of others. And he also calls us to do the work for his kingdom on earth as the servants of Christ. Seek and you shall find is not a name it, claim it gospel. This ideology is a simple false doctrine that that, that, you, that we make demands of God, that God is placed on my time, that when I, when I pray to God, I ask of God, I, I seek God and I'm not God, that God's going to give it to me. You're putting God on my time and you're putting God on my request and my demands. God does not answer to you. God answers to his own. But we have to be completely aligned with God. If we truly want to see, see things as, as we ask of it and we truly want to to, to know what we uh, seek of the things of God. If we knock unto God and we want th our prayers to be answered, we have to be aligned with the will of God. Seeking should be seeking God's will be done, not ours. Seeking the will of God should be aligning us, ourselves parallel with what the will of God is. God always answers our requests. We've got to understand that when we pray to God, He always answers it. But it may not be the way that you want it. 
I do, I do say I prayed for, for a pastor, and it's been a long time. It's been a long several months. It's been a long year, it seems like, and God's answered our prayer. He's answered my prayer with a wonderful pastor. And I believe it's our duty to step behind Seth, and I believe it's our duty to pray for Seth. Prayer is a very important tool. And if you truly want to see God's will be done within this church, if you truly want to see God's will be done in this community in a way that will affect it in the way that God intends for His kingdom to grow, we need to pray for our pastor, and we need to pray for this church, because it is God's will. Pray for this church, pray for other churches. We need to pray for one another. Sometimes he does say yes to our request. And it becomes that when we, when this is a great reward when, when Christ does answer it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 and 14, it tells us to be alert, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. He tells us to be strong, seek the kingdom of God. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes when we pray to God and we, we, we are totally within his will, And we say, I've read your scriptures, Lord. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've talked with godly men and women. I've done everything that you've told me to do and everything that your word says. And how come my prayers are not being answered? And sometimes he just says no. Sometimes his answer is no. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 8. Also when I cry and I shout, he shutteth out my prayer. Even when we seek God's will, it just seems like it's just going on deaf ears. That's not so. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul, he prays, for, he prays to God. He prays that the thorn in his flesh is, God, please allow this thing to be removed from me. He prays to God, says, please, this thorn in the flesh, I've prayed to you three times to remove it, and it's still here, God. Please take it away. But what did God say? He said, no. Why? He says, my glory, my strength is magnified in your weakness. When we truly rely on God in the moment of weakness, when we are so beat down and we are so broken, and it seems like nothing is is going our way, and we just seem like God God, God has turned his back against us, and we are against the pricks, and everything is going wrong, we need to rely faithfully and solely to God. And when that happens... People see a different side of humanity because we have the strength of God behind our backs. God's strength is perfected. It is a given example because we can go through it because we have the strength of Christ. Romans 8.28 has been my rock verse for the past couple months is that all things, all things work for His good that love Him and that are called according to His purpose. No matter the cost. Sometimes when you request, when you pray to God and you say, Lord, please do this, please do that. And you're seeking God's will and you want God's will to be done. He says yes. Sometimes he says no. And some of the the hardest things that God has ever said, he just says go and do it yourself. He says go. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. When the, Lord, when, when the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. 
For the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For you shall go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command you, thou shalt speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in my mouth. As believers, we see so much work to be done. We, we talk about things that need to be done, and we talk and we talk, and we, we think, oh, well, that'd be good in this area. Oh, that'd be nice to do. Oh, it'd be nice if someone would, would help those uh, Haitians build that door. The Great Commission, go and do it yourself. Quit being lazy. I'm guilty. I, I can be slothful, but we need to obey what Christ has called us to do and to go and do the work of God. Pray to God of what His will is. Seek, ask, and knock unto God. If we're truly aligned with Him, what God has, has called us to do, and we, we want to seek God's will done, be, be done in everything, He will give us what, what, he, what we ask of it, because it, is, it pleases God to see souls saved. We look at our limitations, we look at our ages, we look at all the things that, that could slow us down. We say, well, someone else is doing that, or I can't do it because I'm, I'm, I'm too young. I'll, I, I can't do that because I've spent all my spiritual time elsewhere. I can't do that because I'm too old. I can't do that because I'm, I, I'm crippled. That's it, it, hogwash. God has called us to do it, and you better do it. God can use whoever and who is willing to be used, just as he is willing to to save whoever is willing to be saved. We need to ask of God if we're only aligned within His will. Seek it and we shall find it if we're only aligned within God's will. And we knock upon it. If we ask of God to allow that door to be opened, it will be opened if we're only within God's will. Do you see a pattern? Do you see that God's will is what should be our total focus in our spiritual life, in the way that we progress as Christians, as we progress as a church, as a whole body, holistically together, if we are totally aligned within God's will. Seek God's will within His Word. Know that it, it is important to proclaim the gospel into the world. It is very important to share the gospel in a way, through the presence of the way that we talk to people Share the love of God to people. Serve the way that God has told us to serve instead of seeking our own will because we won't find it. Those things, will, those things are corrupt and will fade away. And Cecil gets a song real quick. Just a short invitation. It, 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 I don't know if there's a, a, a need on someone's heart, but if there's anyone here tonight, if uh, you need to pray and ask God, of what, what is your will? What is within the will that you have in store for me. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and that shall be opened unto you.